Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. All right, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host, as always, Chris Flaming. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Beth Hochberger on the podcast. Her self-named accountancy firm based in Florida specializes in helping businesses grow their wealth through tax planning, CFO services, and a profit-first program. I'm going to ask her about that. She's very passionate about expanding opportunities for women in leadership, the STEM fields, and business. Beth, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time and we have matching glasses. So that's perfect. (laughs) Okay. Now I'm sure you have an interesting history. So I want you to start by kind of taking me through briefly what led you to where you are today with your own CPA practice. Sure. So I have a kind of unusual background for CPA. I actually, I started my journey thinking I was going to build robots right? Like cool robots. We're going to take over the world. Then I was like, well, maybe build some roller coasters that might be a little more (laughs) realistic. And then I was kind of like, you know what? Engineering school kind of sucks. What else is out there? But I always really liked math. So turns out, you know, I have it in my blood. My grandfather was actually an accountant and I was like, well, maybe I should try that out. And you know, I had a, a job on campus in college doing accounting. And after that, I went on and had more and more jobs in accounting, got a master's degree in accounting, got a CPA license. And then, you know, once you realize that you've got valuable skills that people need and they want and they will pay you for them, you start to think, maybe I don't want to work for other people anymore. <laughs> so that's kind of how my firm came about. You know, I wanted okay. a, a better environment for CPAs. And run it the way that you wanted to. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, geez. The firm started in, I think, 2010. Okay. So over 10 years. All right. So the reason I asked you that question, Bet, was because if you could go back in time and talk to that Bet in 2010, what do you think you would tell her or what advice would you give her in starting out? I think I would tell her to invest more in marketing earlier. Okay. Sure. And, what, and so what do you mean by that? Like what cons, what parts of marketing, just the gathering of, of clients or? All of it, because, you know, I fancy myself a pretty intelligent person. And like, I went to business school of sorts. I have a master's degree, right? I'm sure I understand all of it. So I would do it all myself and I would do my own thing. And I would say, oh, I like this, <laughs> but what I like isn't necessarily what is it going to attract the clients to me that I like working with. So once I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I got to practice what I preach. I tell clients all the time, like, don't do your own books. Don't do your own accounting. Don't do your own taxes. I had to say, hey, business owner, bet you can't do your own marketing anymore. <laughs> you got to bring in the pros. So once we had developed a marketing strategy, then brought someone in to implement that strategy. And then it was like an explosion, like the floodgates opened. So I was like, oh, wow, 
why was I so stubborn and why did I wait so long? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so perceptive to have that self-awareness <laughs> and then be able to admit that you're not good at everything and then yeah, be able to, to outsource that. That's great. So how did you choose your firm's main focus or the industries you serve and the service offerings? How did you come about deciding on that? Um, some of it chooses you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you start to see patterns in your clients. Who do you like working with? We have a couple verticals that we really focus on. One is professionals. And part of that is I understand their business because it's not that different from my business. Right. And if you're an attorney, your business structure is going to look a hell of a lot similar to a CPA firm structure. It's just kind of the reality. Real estate, we're in Florida. It's kind of what everyone does here. <laughs> you know, People buy and sell in real estate, especially right now. It's going crazy uh, down in Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale area. It's, the market's on fire and it's been, it's not stopping. Technology, remember I talked about, I had that engineering background. I love working with engineers. I love working with the software developers and the tech companies. And that's been really fun to watch. So I used to live in Boston where there was a ton of tech and watch that grow from a small, tiny industry in South Florida and really start to explode. And now it's like on fire. It's crazy. So it was part what I liked, part what I knew. And then just, it just happened to kind of snowballs. Well, and if you're designing it around the things that you like, then it doesn't really seem like a job. I mean, some days it does, but it's still a job. Most, most days it doesn't. Okay. So that segues into my next question. What do you like best about your practice right now? Well, what I love about what the culture that I'm fostering for myself and for my employees is I kind of take a look at everything I thought made no sense working for big firms and said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so uh, what are, what were those things? So like things where you had to be kind of chained to your desk. Sometimes it felt literally, you know, working hours just to work hours. The last firm I worked at, I had very, very small kids and it was always a source of contention at home that I had a nanny. I was basically working to pay the nanny just to what? Help someone get their tax return done like the day before. There's always more work to do. It didn't really make sense, but that's kind of that industry. It's very like, you know, macho, how, look how many hours I can put in. And other professional fields are similar, right? It's not, it's not unusual and just the CPA land, but I really didn't like it. It did not create the lifestyle that I wanted. I will tell you that there are certain hours you cannot reach me because I'm picking up my kids from school. And for my employees, you know, I tell them like, look, you have things in life that you need to do. I want you to go do them, right? It makes you a better person. It makes you a better employee. And I want everyone to be happy. And I don't want anyone to feel like they're chained to their desk. I actually left for a few weeks last summer. I went up to go visit family in New Jersey, which because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to see them for a couple of years. And it was okay. I was not always able to be, you know, texted and emailed right away but my staff took care of whatever needed to get taken care of. And I was a much happier person because I got to go see everyone. So I want everyone to have that you know, good work-life balance. There's always more work to do, right? Sure. It never yeah, ends. Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy think, life. <laughs> I think you hit on something there. That's when you know you have a business, when you can be gone. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it's still able to run without yeah. you physically being there. Right. right. I mean, I, I wasn't like totally off, yeah, the, off grid. the grid. Right but I took the time I needed to take. So. Right. 
That's great. That sounds like a good work-life balance. So are now, are there areas of your practice that, what, what areas do you find the most challenging? Now, systems. I'm, <laughs> I don't even really have to think about systems? it. Systems? Okay. We're actually in the process of updating and changing and converting our entire back end. And we were hoping it'd be done to by December 31st and it's January 21st. Okay. It's not done, but we're, we're most of the way there. It's, you know, it can be frustrating. It's hard, but it's, it's an area that cannot stagnate. And I don't think it's just for CPA firms. I think this is everyone, especially post COVID, right? We're all on Zoom. We're all in the cloud. Many people don't have a brick and mortar anymore. You got to keep up with all the technology and the changes. And you can't just be like, all right, it's good enough now because six months later, it's not good enough anymore. So it's definitely as a business owner, a hard part to stay on top of. Also as the user, (laughs) Which I don't want to admit how old I am, but as I get older, it becomes harder to keep right. keep up with all these software changes. It is, yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. What is the cloud? I thought it was just something that rain came out of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, let's kind of switch over to some of the industries you serve. I have some just general yeah. questions. So, what do you feel like are some of the unique challenges that are faced by either law firms or individual or two attorney practices um, when it comes to their accountancy? Sure. So I think law firms and the attorneys that own them, unfortunately, don't get a lot of business education when they're going to law school. So they might be fantastic trial attorneys. They might be fantastic estate and trust planners. They might be really great at their field, but they don't learn what do I need to do to run my business. I cannot tell you how many times people have asked me, do I really need QuickBooks? Do I really need books? Can't I just like hand you my credit card statements and just do it from that? No, 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 no. I mean, you can, but you're not taking it seriously. And if you want to grow your business and you really want to be able to see what's happening, you have to take that part of it seriously as well. And attorneys don't have a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're very busy working. They're, they, they probably, I'm sure they work even more than like accountants do, except maybe during tax season, but they just don't have the time. And that's when you have to kind of let it go, right? You got to let it go. You got to bring somebody in to take it over who knows what they're doing. Now, on top of that, they've got trust accounts, right? And you can't really mess with those trust accounts unless you want to get into a lot of trouble. So I think that alone should probably scare enough small law firms into saying, you know what, let's get somebody in who really knows what they're doing because we don't want to get ourselves into trouble. And that's probably the biggest thing right there is like, stay out of trouble. (laughs) They try to keep their their clients out of court. We try to keep you away from the IRS. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think there'd probably be some level of having to overcome them thinking that they could do it themselves, right? Even if they admit they should do the books or use some software for the QuickBooks. Um, so they, QuickBooks, they still have that that thing where... QuickBooks is, it's deceptive. It yeah. makes it look easy. Like, oh, this isn't quite right. Well, push this button and it's fixed. Right. <laughs> the only problem is, and you're going to give it to your accountant and be like, what the hell did you do? Don't ever yeah. push that button. <laughs> right. Stop pushing the buttons. Yeah, yeah. Stick to what you know. Stay in your lane, bro. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. So how about medical practices? Is there some unique things to those or unique challenges? I think medical practices and their doctor owners kind of run into the same thing. They really don't get that business education. They probably get even less than the attorneys do. right? And I don't want to generalize in general, but a lot of doctors 
are not the greatest with finances. I hope I don't get too much hate mail for that, but it it's true. And I think a lot of them will even tell you that it's just not things that they're taught in school. You know, they're not taught about, you know, well, what is your, what are you billing versus what are you collecting from your insurance? And what does your cash flow look like for your practice where you've got a lot of staff and you have a lot of overhead? You know, it's, it's a hard thing to wrap your brain around all of that if you've never had to deal with it before, especially once you're dealing with the insurance world, because they're on a different planet. You know, it's not like when you go to a store and you're just going to check out and here I'm paying for my items. It's, you know, let me wait months to see Am I going to get paid for that patient I saw, you know, two months ago? So I think that part, just understanding your cash flow and understanding how that relates to your taxes and on their personal level, student loan debt. Oh my God, they have a lot of it. <laughs> so I think those are all really challenging for doctors when they start their own practices. That's probably also why you don't see so many young doctors starting up practices. I used to see a lot more now. Everyone's got a job, which I don't know if that's better or worse, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's certainly easier. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's much cleaner. You're a W-2 or, you know, yep. just a 1099 and then you have exactly. expenses. It's much cleaner exactly. that way. Okay. Let's switch gears. Let's uh, let's peer through the cloud into <laughs> the, the crypto space. I don't want to talk about the merits of cryptocurrency or anything like that, but I am curious about how the accountancy is different or how the... The counting of it's different or how it's tra- the tracking of it's different. So whatever you would like to kind of say and, and on a high level there, I'll, I'll, sure. I'll let you do that. Sure. So, okay. You want to keep it high level. Let's assume, right. If you're looking at the more commonly invested yeah. in coins, right. You're looking at Bitcoin, right. Yeah. Let's just go stick with Bitcoin and you're using a pretty standard wallet, right. You're not doing anything weird, you're not NFTs, tokens, and staking, and like all this other crazy words that you never heard of before. Stick to the old-fashioned stuff. Yes. The thing is, it's treated exactly the same as if you were buying and selling stock, okay. right? That's the simplest layer of it, right? You got to keep track of what you paid for, how much you paid for it, the date you bought it. And then- uh, basis. Cost basis. You got right. it. Yeah. And then the date you sell- the amount you sell and the price you sell out and the day you sell it on, all of those things. Easy peasy, right? Sure. Now, the problem is, unlike the highly regulated financial markets that we have, you're not going to get a pretty gain and loss report at the end of the year. You're not getting a 1099B with all of that information on it handed to you and also a copy of it sent to the IRS. So the IRS knows you got it as well. So there's all these questions, right? And everyone's got this idea that if they're doing crypto, that it's anonymous and that no one will find them. And how will the government ever know? Nothing's anonymous. <laughs> I hear it all the time. They're like, well, if I leave the country and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, they're going to find you. And in fact, the IRS is cracking down on crypto transactions because they know people think that it's anonymous. And they know people aren't reporting it because it's not getting reported to them. So it is an area where you have to be probably... I would say more conservative dealing with the taxes and the record keeping than you probably are for anything else because the IRS is looking. They're going to look. They're going to start cracking down. It's it's one of their big hot topic yeah. issues. And every audit year they areas. come out with their list of stuff that they're they're yeah. mad, mad about, and then they just 
here's what we're going to focus on. Now, yeah. I have some follow-up questions to what sure. you said there. So do the short-term and long-term gains apply just like any other stock transaction? If it's yes. held for a period of time, either longer or shorter than it fits into the short-term or long-term capital gain. Okay. Yes. I thought so. And then the second question is, is then if they're not getting a nice statement from a custodian, then what are they supposed to do? Basically, they're, are they supposed to keep track of it themselves and, yeah. and write it down or have it on an Excel spreadsheet or, or something yeah. where they're tracking it? You can. I mean, if you're working with the bigger wallets, the yeah. more established players in right. this world, you'll, you should be able to get that information. Transactions. Should, should, okay. should be able to, but you know, grandma and grandpa, when they would buy and sell stocks and they would get certificates and they would have all that paperwork and they shove it in a drawer for 40 years, you yeah. probably would be wise to, you know, keep that. You don't have to shove it a piece of paper in a drawer, but keep track of it somewhere, right? Somewhere safe. So that when you do have to do your taxes and your CPA is like, oh, hey, did you buy or sell any crypto? Because it is a question on the tax returns where they want to yeah. know, are you transacting? So they know to look for you later on. You know, we, then we know, okay, you know, let me see, did you buy or sell anything this year? And it's not, it's not always like straight up a sale. It could be a, a transfer between two coins is also considered a sale. Right. So just things you need to keep track of like every transaction. And some people are doing a lot of little ones. So it gets a little overwhelming. Yeah. But yeah. Right. Then you get into the, then you get into the thing where they say, well, it's not really that much money, so I'm not going to worry about it. You should worry about it. (laughs) Right. I was hoping you'd say that. Okay. All right. So let's thank you for that. That was good. Sure. Very insightful. So without sharing any like confidential information or details, can you think of a recent example or situation where you, totally changed or helped change the trajectory of a client's situation. They were a mess. You set them straight, helped them get on the straight and narrow, and now they love you. Well, hopefully they all love me. I actually will tell you, I have one client who's with me for bazillion years, a doctor, right? Sold a piece of property in Florida and has since left the state, retired, all that. Was so excited. He made so much money on that sale. And, and he knew, he's like, I know I'm going to pay tax on it. And I sent him the return <laughs> with that tax bill. And I think I heard him from across the country, like fall over with a heart attack. <laughs> he couldn't believe what the tax was. So I was like, okay, hold on. Do we have all the information here? So we start digging. Turned out he made improvements years ago that we didn't know about. Well, those improvements add to your cost basis, right? So it increases... Effectively, what you paid for the property. If you paid, you know, a hundred thousand, and then you put in a pool for twenty thousand. Well, now the property you put in one hundred twenty thousand. So we found a lot of things like that to catch it up. And at one point, he had started renting the property, but we were missing all of that cost basis to depreciate it. So we were missing depreciation for all those years as well. So we were really able to just chop that tax bill down so much. He was so happy. <laughs> I mean, he loved me anyway, but he was like, he's very, very grateful. But, you know, you need someone who's going to take the time to look at a problem like that and say, okay, how can we maybe look at this? Are we missing any of the information that would really make a big difference? Because if you go to some smaller tax prep places who I will not name, you're just in and out, right? They're like, give me your forms. Okay. It's a transaction. It's a transaction. Type it in as fast as possible. 
get you out. And if you were like, well, this isn't good. I don't want to pay, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They'd be like, oh, well, this is what you gave us. Right. So you want to, you want to dig sometimes when you've got really big transactions. But the other thing that was great was he had records. He had those old records. So it was wonderful that he was able to pull it up and send it to me. And we were able to adjust all those calculations to his favor. Yeah. Tougher when you don't keep the receipts and the records, you just go in from memory. <laughs> That's not good. That's never good. Yeah, yeah. One thing the IRS does not like is estimated numbers because they can tell. Right. <laughs> so you're just putting round numbers on things. That yeah. is a red flag. Like, yeah. Oh, never, look. never end a number that you write down in two zeros. Right. <laughs> That's good advice. Okay. So <laughs> let's switch gears, Bet. What would you say is your biggest life accomplishment so far? Biggest life accomplishment. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, I have three amazing kids and an amazing husband and a business. And I don't like have a breakdown on a daily basis. Yeah. Like that's saying something nowadays. It's juggling a lot. And we also were really active. Like we're a scouting family. We perform together with a stage combat group, believe it or not. We sword fight. We just do a lot of stuff. We're really busy and we try to be happy all the time. So I guess just living a full life, like we don't let a day go by. Actually, I'll tell you a quick story. We were so busy right before the pandemic started. We were away like every single weekend. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I would like just one week where I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> and then the pandemic came and he was like, don't you ever say that ever again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You're a bad omen. Yeah, yeah, it was. So I guess that's my accomplishment. It's just okay. like, I, I try to do it all. I don't know that I do yeah. it all well, but we try and we try to have a lot of fun while we do it. And just, you know, if it doesn't work, try something else fun. Right. That's great. So and that that kind of leads into my follow up question on that. So outside of your practice, you mentioned a couple of things. So is there something that you're really passionate about personally? So, so many things. OK, so I'm super, super involved in women's networking. Not okay. so much with pandemic, just because things got mm-hmm. you know a little crazy. But I'm in a lot of women's networking groups um, in the Broward County area. The Jewish Federation has a lot of really amazing women's programs. I've done programs with them. I'm on their Women's Executive Council. I'm in their Women's Foundation, where we grant out to needy organizations that help women and children here and abroad. We're in Scouts. Like I, we have one of the first female. It's not really Boy Scouts anymore. They call it Scouts BSA, but it's Boy Scouts. Female troop in South Florida. One of the first. Super exciting. My older daughter is one of the founding members. uh, And we do a lot of training, a lot of development, even for the adults, right? It's a lot of leadership training for the youth and for us. I've learned a lot as a a scouter. And I got to tell you, it's really fun to sword fight (laughs) if you've never done it. I've I thrown hatchets. Fight. I've thrown hatchets, which is also well, a lot of fun. Look at my background. I get those Game of Thrones sword. Yeah, I see that. Here, yeah, you know? it's very it, fierce. It is fun to sword fight. It's a little bit scary when there's metal flying at your head, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's fun. And it was something that we just picked up a couple of years ago. So I started as an adult. It's not like I, you know, have a long history of doing it. Even the scouting, I never went camping until my son joined a, as Cub Scout like seven years ago. I never, I was, I was a city girl. I was not a country girl. Now there, there've been years where I, I probably should get like a discount from my mortgage company because I spent so many days camping instead of being at home. House. <laughs> <laughs> got to try new things. Even if you think you're not going to like it, you got to try it because you never know. Yeah, you don't. You don't. 
I'll stick to playing bass guitar and I'll leave the swords in your hands. All right. Okay. So let's switch back kind of to the business vein of things. I'm curious what you see as being your biggest opportunity for your business in the future. So new year, what's your biggest opportunity that you see? Well, I will say that what I see coming to me right now, so I'll consider that my biggest opportunity, is really what is happening in crypto. And crypto is not so, so new. I mean, I guess relatively, if you look at things in life, it's relatively new. Technology-wise, it's not not like cutting edge, right? It's been around. There's so much more, I'm going to say, like regular people getting involved than ever before. It's such an, uh, a, an area of growth professionally because there's so much to learn. The IRS is always putting out guidance, whether it makes sense or not. And there's just a lot of education because you're finding people who've not necessarily had money or have come into it so quickly now needing a lot of help because they're navigating waters that they've never been in before. I will tell you, I've had people who call me and they're like, so I'm a waiter or you know, I'm an Uber driver, whatever it is, but I just sold like a million dollars of you know whatever NFT I just got into. What do I do, right? And that's an area where you need to find people that you can trust to lead you in the right direction. And I think it's just exciting because there's not, there's not a lot of change in the accounting world. It's very nuanced when things change, right? Like you have a president come in, change a bunch of tax laws. They don't really change that much. They change some percentages and something here and there shifts. It's not like a real change change. But this is like the Wild West for us CPAs, like new uncharted territory. And there are plenty of CPAs who won't even look at it. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. It's something new. It's exciting. You got to embrace it. Right. I agree because it's uh, even in our industry, a lot of stuff doesn't change a whole lot. You know, the capital gains rates might change or they raise the IRA contributions by 500 bucks or something like that. So yeah, we got to send an email out and let everybody know. So yeah, when something comes along, it is, it is exciting. And, And to be in a position to be able to give people advice on that, that really need it. That's important. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier that you're going through some challenges with systems. Yeah. Um, now, this is kind of a this is kind of a tag on question to that. So, from a growing your business standpoint, you know what I mean, like growing to whatever you want it to be. What do you kind of see as your biggest challenge in that facing the business heading heading into the new year, heading forward? I, well, okay, so it's probably very specialized the accounting industry. We've got a lot of software that gets targeted to us. And they do very specific things. They might keep track of uh, client engagements and what the deadlines are. They might create our contracts for us, things like that. And because they're such small focused individual items, you need to get them to talk to each other or you're doing a lot of manual data entry. Integration. Integration. So last year, that was our big push. We're like, all right, we have all these systems. Let's, you know, create Frankenstein's monster here and kind of get them all together. But they don't always talk to each other (laughs) so well. And we kind of made a mess and to the point where I had to kind of backtrack and like, let me go make an Excel sheet and make sure I don't lose track of anything. And I'm like, no, this is a step backwards instead of forward. So we had to find a new solution to make sure that, you know, those efforts to automate 
and to keep track of everything weren't getting lost in the integration. So we've been switching everything to be in a system that's kind of more integrated on its own. And as a result, it's not specifically for the accounting world, but is taking a lot more effort to put it together. So we're moving into Zoho, assuming we can say (laughs) brand names, but it's not for the faint of heart. Like if you don't, if you're not ready to uh, invest in bringing on a partner who's going to help you with the integration and customize and figure out your workflows and your processes, it's really, really hard to make that big of a change. So it is a little bit challenging. Um, For me, what's nice is I have that technical engineering background, not that I have done any programming or engineering for a number of years, but at least I understand workflow and I understand the process. So that lets me help them understand what we're trying to accomplish, but it's a big undertaking. It's not a small process at all to switch like that. Yeah. I completely feel your pain. I mean, we call it our, we call it a tech stack. It's all your technology. Yeah. Tech stack. And you know, Asking when you're talking to the, all these people, and does it integrate with this? Does it integrate with that? And then you're like, no. And they say no. And you're like, okay. Oh, well, back to uh, drawing board. Moving on. Right. <laughs> that, to get, and then when you finally get to that point, because we were able to accomplish that a few years ago and get through that, then you're like, oh, everything talks to each other. This is this really helps when it works well. Yeah. Right. When it works well. Right. And that's sometimes the problem is you start to outgrow things or you're like, yeah. hey, wouldn't it be great if this could do this thing it's doing in a different way. It doesn't do that. Now I got to go find something else. Okay. I just had that conversation this week with my head of marketing and IT. He's all in one. We were talking about our engagement letters. And I'm like, you know, instead of me like having to predefine what the client's doing, wouldn't it be great if they could just like check off services they want? And he's like, well, you can't do it in this program, but this other one that we're looking at, you can. I'm like, it's January, the end of January. I'm not changing, (laughs) not changing my engagement letter system now. Like that could be for next year, like put it off. But that's what happens. You kind of, what you want, what you need evolves over time. And the products don't always grow with you or in the way you want, or they do things that is probably good for some people and not for you. And you need to kind of adjust. I had that with my scheduling software of all things. Yeah, like I had to find something new. It didn't work with whatever we were building on our website and we had to find something different. And I, all the time I'm like, I don't like the scheduling software. Blah, blah, blah. So finally we went and looked at it and like the old one seems to be doing what we needed to do. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to change back. So it's just, you know, it's evolution. Everything is evolving at its own pace, including yourself. And you have to find the pieces that work. Well, and if you send, and of course, when you send the suggestion thing to your uh, tech provider under tech stack, usually they go, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, we're going to gonna escalate that to the people <laughs> that make the decisions and we'll let you know, which means it went into a black hole. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Beth. So we're getting close to the end here. If people want to learn more about you or your practice or contact you, what is the best way for them to do that? So we have a pretty good social media presence. We're all overrun. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Insta. If my marketing team has their way, we will be TikToking for those young folks. Okay, Uh, all right. It's hard to do because my kids laugh at me. So (laughs) it's hard for us. For us old people to get involved in TikTok, but we're we're gonna make an effort. Uh, and we have a, a fantastic website and What's that web address. Ah, it's bethockberger.com. 
Okay. It's easy to spell, right? <laughs> yeah, we can do it. I can do it. B-E-T-T-E-H-O-C-H-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. You got it. Oh. Yeah, I was a spelling champion when I was young. So that's <laughs> oh, I was not. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was awesome. like, math A, spelling F. <laughs> right. Well, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. But listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, you schooled us and educated us on several things. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all the listeners for watching and tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast, brought to you as always by LPF Advisors, where we are raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks for listening and watching. Everybody take care and be well. See you next time. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.